Welcome to In the Isles, the movie and TV podcast that is more likely to talk about Megatron than Omicron. What's that? It's a... No, I know. I okay. Know. Yep. I'm James. I'm Dan. This Still. Week... <laughs> this week, we're going to talk about what we've been watching. We have some real news. And our main review is House of Gucci. Directed by Ridley Scott with an all-star cast including Lady Gaga and Adam Driver. But first, Daniel, how are you? I'm not too shabby, thank you very much. I went on a night out, which you well know, on Friday because we recorded straight before I went out. With a few mates, lads, 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 but we've progressed. We're in our 30s now, so it wasn't wild. We just went out for a spot of something to eat and... Tell me how alarming you would find it if you just finished your starter and then the waitress approached the table and said, can I just ask, are the chicken wings okay? To which we were all a bit like, uh, yeah, mid-bite. Mid oh, I don't think I'm going to progress further. Why? Oh, just some people have said that they just taste a bit weird. Right, brilliant. Thanks for that. Um <laughs> So that, that put us off. And then, right, it's basically a bar above a takeaway. And it's all part of the same thing. So if you order food, you get food from the takeaway. And they specialise in pizzas. Two hours we had to wait for a pizza. Two hours. Two full hours. So I complained and got the entire cost of the starter back, which was £30. So cha-ching! Did offer me a free cocktail at first, which I said, we've been in here two hours. I don't want to spend any more time. The plan was to go out and see other things. I complained, James. I wasn't terribly British about it. I just went and complained, and I'm very proud of myself. I'm proud of you as well. Two hours sounds absolutely outrageous, and I think the complaint was valid. And you got £30 off. So did that make the food taste better because you were paying less? I'd love to say yes, but no, it was rank, and I shall not be attending again. So bad service, bad food, just bad all round. It's bizarre to ask about the chicken. And I have done the honourable thing. I've not mentioned them by name. Anyone who lives in West Orton, there's only one place that is a takeaway that has a bar above it. So you use your powers of deduction to work out what it is. Do not go. Noted. We may not have restaurant recommendations, but do we have streaming content recommendations? I'd certainly hope so. Why don't you go first? What have you been watching this week? The Beatles Get Back, the epic eight-hour three-part documentary available on Disney+. Plus. Disney+, Plus a weird place for it, but it is on Disney+, Plus in the UK. You had an excited intake of breath. I, I'm not a Beatles fan. I listened to a rival podcast again the other day, and they waxed lyrical about this and held it as one of the greatest documentaries they've ever seen. So very intrigued to hear what you think about it. That's going to be my vibe as well. I think any... British person would know the history of them because it's part of the cultural furniture in our minds. And they do provide a helpful like two or three minute summary at the start of this documentary. But what it is about is the build up to the rooftop live show in 1969. And what I didn't know is that the whole project started as a documentary that would film the preparation for a live show that will be recorded and released as a live album. This is the footage from that planned project throughout January 1969, re-edited by Peter Jackson, the director of Heavenly Creatures and King Kong. At the beginning, I thought 
it was people doing Beatles impressions because I'm more used to listening to people do Beatles impressions on The Simpsons or whatever than actual Beatles content. Anyway, it is mesmerizing and fascinating, and it is one of the best things of the year. If you have any interest in the creative process, what goes into creating a piece of art, you have to watch it. You watch them tweaking a very specific part of a song. And at the end of the scene, they said, we've been talking about this for an hour. To watch George, John and Paul go through the very specific parts of songs, thinking about every single note, I absolutely loved watching it. They also joke around, which is funny. They're funny guys. And there's a bit of band drama as well, which is historically valuable. But the intent of the documentary is to show that it wasn't all drama and it wasn't all bad when... They were about to break up, which they do later in 1969. So you do see them be happy and there are some heartwarming moments and history being what it is. There are some flippant lines that are quite sad, like Paul McCartney says, oh, in, in, when we're all old, we'll be playing together and it'll be fine. And then you realise that that never actually happened. And when I say mesmerising, I mean it's mesmerising because there's not a lot going on. It's very long. It is footage of guys just chatting to each other and making music together so you might think it's really really boring but once you're tuned into it tuned in it's music you really go with the flow there are some things that make it funny as well such as Ringo Starr has no input at all into anything that's his role in the in the band but he sits in complete silence for all of it and you see the other guy, like the director of the documentary, and it's never really clear whether the Beatles really, really hate him or not, which is funny and awkward. One of the best things of the year, must watch. Is it split into three episodes, is it? Yeah, three episodes that are all about three hours each, and each episode covers about seven days of this period of rehearsals and preparation, and it climaxes with the famous rooftop performance at Abbey Road that I've not watched yet, but I believe it's played in full. It's the full 42-minute live set. I am spurred on to watch this now. I mean, I was intrigued anyway, but... One of the things that I heard in another review was the fact that they give themselves an insanely short amount of time to produce the album as well, like two weeks or something. Stupid. Yeah, it starts off saying they need to write and rehearse 14 songs that will then be recorded live and put out on a live album. Unbelievable. Which is is mental. So that is... Say it again... The Beatles get back. Say someone's not got nine hours, James. Anything shorter that you may be able to recommend? There is actually. Bruised, a movie, a film, a motion picture on Netflix directed by and starring Halle Berry. Yeah, I completely skipped over this one. I have no interest. Convince me otherwise. A bit, well, this might be a struggle then. (laughs) It is about a MMA fighter, Halle Berry who lost four years ago, and life is not great. She's working as as a cleaner. She sprays whiskey into her mouth from a a washing spray thing, even though she's in her own house, so she could just drink the whiskey. She doesn't need to hide the spray that she set up. I'm getting sidetracked already. She decides to fight again because that's her only option, make some money, find meaning in life that way. Her estranged six-year-old son is reintroduced into her life and she has a, a, let's say, a rocky relationship with her boyfriend. It's not very nice. And a difficult relationship with her mother. She starts training to be an MMA fighter and the whole last 30 minutes of the two-hour film is the fight. 
it's difficult because Halle Berry is really good in it, very committed, which is what other reviews have said. But it's so relentlessly bleak that I couldn't enjoy it. She goes through the same arc twice of, oh, I'm in a really bad relationship with my boyfriend. I'm going to leave and go somewhere else. So mother, I'm in a bad relationship with mother. Oh, I'm going to leave and go somewhere else. It's, it repeats the same downward spiral arc twice in the same film. And she's training, but even the training, it's not like a positive, I'm training. This is really good. Even the training feels like it's this gritty, depressing thing to it. Not a lot positive going on. It's quite one note. When the fight does come, it's weird because it, the fight is so brightly lit that it doesn't really fit the look of the rest of the film. And I, I think you can tell that they've filmed the fight with no audience, but they've made it all dark in the background to make it look like there's an audience, but there isn't. It doesn't have that big fight feel that it's supposed to have, and that really killed the atmosphere at the end. It may be worth watching just for Halle Berry's performance. So I would say watch it for the first 15 minutes, and if you're not into it, just leave it, because it is like that all the way through. Yeah, you were right. It was it was a struggle, and uh, I'm not convinced, so I think I'll give it a pass. It's had quite a poor critical reception, this, as well, hasn't it? Yes, it had a poor critical reception, but the audience reception seemed better. So I thought, I'm going to try this. I didn't like it. And what makes it worse is that Warrior, starring Joel Edgerton and Tom Hardy, that is on Netflix as well. And that is another MMA film. But in Warrior, the, those three men, they are unmoored from their core relationships in their life. And you feel it's, it's working its way towards them coming back together via MMA fights. Whereas in Bruised, everything is terrible. And she's in an MMA fight because she wants to get some money and there's no positive end goal to any of it. Right. Okay. Did you carry on watching Heels, by the way? Yes, I did. Good th- right the way through Good to the end? Right the way through. I was in tears in the end. One of the best shows of the year. And I'm so delighted that they're doing season two. Obviously, slightly different territory there. That one's about wrestling, if anybody didn't remember. James reviewed it earlier on in the year, but I was just curious. Well, it would seem that nobody really cares what you think, James, or critics, because Halle Berry, I believe, off the back of this film, has struck a multi-picture deal with Netflix uh, because it reached number one in the US. So it didn't damage her rep, did it? So there you go. Anything else? I am continuing to watch Arcane, which continues to be brilliant. Still need to invest my time in that, which I will before the end of the year because I want us to have completely identical top five lists for both films and TVs. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Okay. Daniel, what have you been watching? This week, I've been taking a lot of the cock fields into my eyeballs. It's a British comedy that is on UK TV Gold, or now TV, and it's about a lovable, ordinary Joe called Simon, played by Joe Wilkinson. That was a lot of names. Made sense, right? He writes this as well, Joe Wilkinson, coincidentally, and he takes his partner Donna, who's played by Diane Morgan, a.k.a. Philomena Kunk, to the Isle of Wight to meet his parents. And it's basically about revisiting your old family home as an adult and having to navigate the inevitable awkwardness of, you know, introducing your new partner and hoping your parents aren't going to embarrass the absolute shit out of you, which obviously they do. That's why this programme exists. The parents are played by Bobby Ball and Sue Johnson. So because of that, Sue Johnson's presence, you can't shake the feeling that, God, this feels very similar to the royal family. But the difference is it's not entirely based in a living room. There's more to it than that. And it's a bit more of a respectable atmosphere 
where people are trying not to offend one another. Anyway, as you might have guessed, light hijinks ensue and this man's new girlfriend is subject to his overbearing mother and, you know, being annoyingly forced to eat food. Like, it just, she doesn't want to eat it. Donna, eat it! Eat it! Donna, go on! It's like, I'm full. I have this with my stepmom all the time. She doesn't listen. It's fine. She's a lovely woman. I just, if I'm full, I'm full. You know, other things she has to endure, the wife cutting her husband's toenails and scraping them off into a Tupperware box when they're all sat around watching TV. And also, why is there a bread knife next to the toilet rather than a toilet brush? You'll have to watch to find out. And that's it, basically. Nothing more, nothing less. It's just a very charming and relatable half hour of comedy. One of the interesting things, though, about this is series one, it's only three episodes. Series two, they repeat the same setup again. He's off to the Isle of Wight to meet his parents, but he's got a different girlfriend this time, played by Susanna Fielding. Now, I'm predispositioned to watch all of this because I'm slightly obsessed with Susanna Fielding, so I did. But yeah, it's it's just, it offers a different dynamic in the second series, so it doesn't feel like a complete retread of what came before it. Another confusing thing that happens in the second series is the dad is replaced, formerly Bobby Ball, with Rabsy Nesbitt. I don't know the actor's name. And you think, oh, the mother's remarried. So the mother and son have different partners. Oh, how interesting. No, that's not what happened. Bobby Ball died last year. So they brought in someone who looks completely different from him and has a thick Scottish accent rather than a broad northern accent with no explanation. It was hard to get used to. Nevertheless, a very pleasant, easy-to-watch show. What is it called again? The Cockfields. Right. Do they make a, that kind of play on that word like you have? or I don't think they're as juvenile as I, so no, they don't. What else have you been watching? I've been watching the freshly dropped on Now TV Yellow Jackets, which is... Well, it's airing on Sky Atlantic, um, and it's a Showtime show. There's two episodes out thus far. And it's about a bunch of female high school students who are soccer champions and they get involved in a plane crash back in 1996. Get involved in. You don't get involved in a plane crash, do you? That's not the right word. And you know what I mean. It flashes forward to present day and you see some of the survivors as adults, but there's a huge amount of secrecy about what happened when the crash landed on this remote island. What atrocities occurred amongst the group and it's constantly flitting back and forth between the two timelines but thankfully it's not time hoppy in a confusing way there's completely different actors for each time period so that's clear you're not constantly going what's going on the mystery tease from the 1996 timeline is obviously what the hell went down with these survivors what occurred the 2021 mystery is why is a reporter trying to figure out exactly that but also what is with an anonymous person sending cryptic messages to them all, trying to dredge up the past. Now, it's not all questions and no answers. You do get brief flashbacks to some pretty gruesome stuff that occurs on the island, but everyone's dressed in weird animal-first tribal gear, so you don't know who's doing what to who, and more importantly, why. But it just it sets up so many characters and side plots that keep you engaged from the get-go there's some quite strained relationships amongst the group whether it be in the past or the present and it all nicely converges into this intriguing mystery that i am fully on board with i am gutted that there's only two episodes because like i said i'm loving this and episode two there is some really brutal and disturbing imagery 
And what I think I really like about this is I have no idea what genre this is. Is it a drama? Is it a thriller? A horror? I don't know. It could be all those things combined, which is what I'm really hoping for. If I had to describe it, I'd probably describe it as if Lost or Lord of the Flies had a baby with the third day and Cruel Summer. There's some big names in this too. You've got Juliette Lewis and Christina Ricci playing adult versions of their teenage counterparts. And the younger actors are all really good in this too. There's just so much to like about this. If the quality continues, this will definitely be in my top five at the end of the year. It was on my radar as well, Yellow Jackets. I will check that out. The interesting thing about it is it's got Christina Ricci and Juliette Lewis in it. So when you look at them, it feels like you do know the younger versions of them. And there is a slight suspension of disbelief because they don't look the way that those two people did 20 years ago. But at the same time, there's enough similarities facially where they've done a very good job of casting the older versions of these people. It's uh, it's very well done. So that's Yellow Jackets available on Now TV. From Now TV to what's happening now in TV, in real news. It's the real thing. It is now real, real news, news. James, tell me there isn't another Marvel story. No, I have, I have a story here that I want to talk about. Well, it's more of a comment, really. The Sex and the City reboot trailer is out. It's being described by the BBC as a long-awaited return of one of the most loved programmes in television history. Wouldn't describe myself as a fan of Sex in the City, would you? Would I describe you as a fan? Would I? Would I describe? Would I? Would you describe yourself? Oh God, no! I actually watched none of it, but was forced to watch the second film in the cinema. It's one of the worst cinema-going experiences I've ever had. I've seen some of it, but what I find interesting that takes away the hype completely is that it doesn't even have all four of them in it. Kim Cattrall is not in it. Yeah, there was a very famous falling out, wasn't there, with Kim Cattrall and Sarah Jessica Parker. I don't think they've quite built bridges there. Yes, it does say here that Kim Cattrall has opted not to take part in the new series after a long-winning feud with Sarah Jessica Parker. Well, this is like a Beatles reunion without George Harrison. Perfectly fine, man. I'm not hyped. Don't care. Are you, are you hyped for that? 100% not, but I will say that I caught quite a bit of the prequel tv series the carrie diaries and that's not bad but yeah not a fan of sex and the city so i really couldn't give a toss in the hollywood reporter they've done a round table with a number of famous actresses kirsten dunst tessa thompson christian stewart jessica chastain jennifer hudson and amelia jones the quote that is highlighted in the the headline for this is Jennifer Hudson being asked about box office and she says to me success is about creating your own value and your own goal box office I don't care I did my job I got to do what I wanted to do I got to do what I love that's winning so good thought but look at what happened to Halle Berry after Catwoman never recovered although I'm sure I've read this recently there's been a um, resurgence of, of fans of Catwoman and they're all saying oh it's actually a really fun film this and Holly Berry commented on Newt's Twitter saying, where were you all back in 2000 and whatever year it was? Because obviously everyone jumped on that. Like, a, well, they tore it apart and left nothing. No, just a meatless carcass. <laughs> That's my quick fire round. What have you got? Yeah. I, hope, I hope it's related to uh, Marvel Studios products. 
Well, despite me saying, tell me that it's not a Marvel-related news story, it wouldn't be right to not acknowledge that I've got some Spider-Man news, James. I'm so sorry. It's only I'm only bringing this up because we've discussed it previously, and I think you said this is the end of Tom Holland's Spider-Man because of this deal that Marvel had with Sony. And, That's not uh, quite it, what I said. Okay, I don't want to misquote you, but by all means, correct me. It's the end of Tom Holland's Spider-Man in MCU, but he'll yes. carry on doing his own thing in Sony, and that will be separate. Very glad you corrected me, because I couldn't have got that more wrong, could I? Anyway, it's not the end of him in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Details are vague. There has been talk of a proposed trilogy, but I think that's more rumour than anything. The producers just come out and said, listen, it's not the end. We've got exciting news. So it will continue after the film that is released in a mere few weeks' time. So there we go. If you're not fed up with this by now, worry not. You've plenty more years to be bored into submission with, so... And the last one, not really news, if you live locally in the Manchester area, Michael C. Hall, Dexter himself, rocked up in the Northern Quarter this week with his band. He's got a band called Princess Goes to the Butterfly Museum. It was, I think it's quite a small, intimate venue, and I just wish that I'd known. I mean, I might hate the music, but I would have loved to have just thought, I'm mere metres away from Dexter himself. I would have gone if I could. but uh, Stab me, Dexter, stab me. Yeah. <laughs> just go there with a plastic sheet wrapped all around me. I've done the hard work for you. Just put the knife in. Hello, I'd like to order an opinion, please. This film is new, fresh point of view. Promise it back, this is a fact. We in the aisles, here are some aisles. Thoughts in sync, tell you what to think. I'll listen to you, but please don't rap again. It's a me, a Jared, a Leto, a doing, a Maya, serious, a dramatic, a Italian, a accent, a I hope you a enjoy a this a review a over a house of a Gucci. A. Gucci. It was a name that sounded so sweet, so seductive. Come, meet the family. Everybody, this is Patrizia, and this is my family. Kick this out! They had it all. Wealth, style, power. Who wouldn't care for that? When Patrizia Reggiani, have I said that right? Yes. Thanks. An outsider from humble beginnings marries into the Gucci family. Her unbridled ambition begins to unravel their legacy and triggers a reckless spiral of betrayal, decadence, revenge, and ultimately, moide. Daniel, what did you think of House of Gucci? So let's start off the way that we do every week and say we haven't read the books. This is also the case for this film. But I'll also add that not only have I not read the book on which the film is based, I've never owned anything Gucci. So call me unqualified to offer an opinion. I think we were of a similar mindset on this film before watching it. Ridley Scott being attached as a director is never a bad sign, but I don't think either of us was highly anticipating it. Is that fair to say? I was anticipating it. Just not highly. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but regardless, we, we needed something to feature as our main review, and this one fit the bill. And it easily fit the bill because it must be said, there's, there's a lot going on for it. It's got a stellar cast of A-list actors, some of which haven't been that prominent in recent years. Al Pacino and Jeremy Irons as, as father figures in the Gucci family, for example. I was truly shocked by how much they are in this film. For some reason, I expected like a fleeting handful of scenes, but they're in it a lot. 
Um, so that was a nice surprise. And as is expected of actors of this caliber, they do not disappoint. And it was very nice to see them on screen. If I'm honest, though, from a personal standpoint, my main reason for watching this was Lady Gaga. Now, I'm not a fan of her music. Poker Face remains one of my all-time most detested songs ever. But I'd not watched A Star Is Born. It just never appealed to me. So obviously she was... Did she win the Oscar for that or was she nominated? I don't think she won the Oscar. She might have won Oscar for Best Song or something. Yeah, but obviously she was she was nominated, so she can clearly act. But I've not witnessed it with my very own eyes, and now I have. And she can act. She can definitely act. And she holds her own against someone like Al Pacino, effortlessly, I would say. She is not the weak link in this. That title falls to somebody else. She's far from it. And she's probably one of the best things about the film, so good, good on her. Adam Driver as the son who's set to inherit his family's business. He's perfectly fine, but I think his character's quite underwritten, so he doesn't have a lot to work with. Jared Leto, Leto, however you want to say it, that's a different kettle of fish. He is the weakest link in this. He goes one step too far with his out-there acting. I am quite a fan of his and his music, actually, uh, but it's like nobody had the balls to tell him, you're not in a comedy, mate. You're just not in a comedy. And maybe they wanted that from him, but. You know, the guy might have been eccentric, but it's like he's walked on set from a completely different film and they've just said, just just stay with the same character. It'll be fine. It's, it's not a bad performance. It just feels out of place in this. And I was cringing quite a lot when he was on screen. As for the story itself, it's treading the same ground of something like Succession, which we've been all over the last few weeks. And it's obviously about wealth, greed and betrayal. But the problem here is that there's no gradual buildup of dramatic tension as all those themes unfold. Things merely occur, which is a shame because it starts out as like an innocent love story. And I enjoyed the early interactions between Lady Gaga and Adam Driver. It felt very sweet and convincing. And I, and I was rooting for them. And I also found myself wrapped up in the lifestyle. Everything is very glitz and glam, and it's always intriguing to get a glimpse into the world of the rich and famous. But as the story develops, you realise that there's more going on beneath the surface of their relationship. And I think when people's real motives are brought to light, that's where the film starts to falter for me. And that's because of the execution of it. And I say that because it is devoid of any emotional core. And I don't know if that's meant to be some clever comment on the characters themselves and how self-absorbed they are, but none of them are sympathetic. It just didn't hook me from an emotional investment point of view. It's just all a bit too inconsequential. In general, just from a character interaction point of view, the writing's not nearly as sharp as something like Succession. And because of that, everything feels like its characters, a bit empty and lacking any real depth. Also, if you're here because you're into fashion, fair warning, yes, it's present in the clothes. Everyone is you know, wearing, but it's not really an exploration of the fashion empire and how it came to be. It's more Lady Gaga struggling for power and influence in the business, and that's it. And because of that, I couldn't help but think of, you remember Halston, the Ryan Murphy thing that came out earlier this year with Ewan McGregor? Yes. Same sort of thing, but it did a far better job of telling a similar story. And granted, that had eight extra hours to tell its story, but that's a better version I cared about Holston, even though he's an insufferable arsehole. And here, I didn't care about any of them. It is a confusing one because I found it a very easy film to sit through for like near enough three hours. I was entertained. It's, it's quite punchily paced. 
you're introduced to enough fancy living rooms and luxurious scenic backdrops that it keeps you occupied, but the camera doesn't linger on anything for far too long and the scenes are almost a bit too short and snappy to carry any dramatic weight. Overall, this is a very surface-level film that's very flashy to look at, but it's more concerned with outward appearances than having a real desire to you know, truly understand those characters and what the motivations are. Although I enjoyed it in the moment, it's probably worth noting that two couples left the cinema at the two-hour mark, so some people might not have the patience for the meandering storytelling. James, what about you? We might have to start sharing notes before we record because my comments are almost identical to yours. I didn't know this was based on a book. and I learned that it was in development for a while and Ridley Scott has been trying to make it for a while. So it's disappointing that it doesn't really have much of a vision to it if he's wanting to make it for so long. It's based on a real life event, the murder, the assassination of Adam Driver that I wasn't familiar with. And as I was watching it, I did wonder, would this mean more if I knew what was going on? So I, I took a very slow toilet break and checked out the wikipedia page that just said that it's about a murder of lady gaga's husband so i thought okay it's going to build up to that it's going to build up all this tension which it didn't it's mostly about the business machinations of gucci with a little bit of relationship drama and the plot was all over the place i didn't know what it was trying to focus on and no element besides lady gaga's rise to prominence was interesting the fortunes of the business wasn't made interesting the characters likable or not were not engaging i disagree about the pacing i thought scenes just ended abruptly and there was no rhythm to it jared leto's character i won't repeat what you've said 100 agree it wasn't funny enough to be a light fluffy farce but it's not serious or well written enough to be a business-based drama like succession like you i was comparing it to succession as it went on because it's a family business with a patriarch and people are making moves and backstabbing Succession has unlikable characters as well, but that is a satire about how ridiculous their lives are. But I agree with you, again, very surface level. The time period was nicely created. They had the money, but, and this may be because I was losing interest, there wasn't much to distinguish between the years. It starts in the 70s and it goes to the 80s and then into the 90s, but it all looked the same. It was a bit washed out. This is where, if this was a YouTube channel, you would cut in clips to show how wrong that comment is to show that it was very visually distinctive. But I wasn't feeling it. And like you've said, even though it's about fashion, there wasn't a lot of fashion. There wasn't a lot of Gucci products being shown. Something like Cruella is about fashion. There's a lot of fashion in it. The acting, Al Pacino seemed to be the only one that achieved the balance between being silly but still believable. And he did a proper Italian accent. Adam Driver, I agree, underwritten. Adam Driver was ultimately unknowable. Maybe that was deliberate. I didn't know what he was about. Only Lady Gaga is truly great. When she was there, the film was good, which is most of the film, so I suppose that makes the film good. But by the end, she's changed into a ruthless manipulator. She has an arc. Overall, it was unfocused. There was a confused tone, confused performances, well, like you say, people seem to be coming from different films. They were blasting music in to make up for a lack of atmosphere or pace at times. But I'm hesitating to say that it was all out bad. And that, that's where I'm at. That's why I say it's confusing because I didn't, I wasn't sat there resenting the fact that I'm in the same seat for two and a half hours without the option of getting up and going anywhere. It's the fact that it doesn't, it doesn't linger on 
my brain. I'm just like, I've watched it now. Thank you very much. Done. There's nothing of substantial nature to it all. It's just, here are the facts. Boom. Drop the mic. I'm done. Thanks. And I was expecting something a bit deeper from it, really. And I think Ridley Scott said something to that effect in an interview where he said he was just trying to be truthful and not be too insulting to the real people. It failed, obviously, because the family has hit out at insulting and painful portrayals of them. But I agree that it, there's nothing lasting about it. It's like a mix between Succession and Goodfellas, mm, but not as good as, as that sounds on paper. A mix between Succession and Goodfellas, directed by Ridley Scott, starring Lady Gaga, Adam Driver and Al Pacino, but it's not as good as that sounds. Did anyone walk out of your screening? No, no one walked out. Weren't many people there to begin with, but no one walked out. Yeah, same here. So that's why I said to you, 33% and a third of the audience left because two couples, basically. And I just thought, you've watched two hours of this now. Why would you not see it through? It's not offensively bad or boring. I was I was quite shocked with that, but, but there you go. I noticed that, by the way, about the musical cues. It was excessive. Yeah, and it's songs, rock and pop songs, not, not the score. Yeah, I mean, good soundtrack, but it was just overly used. James, I think we're both conflicted on, on this one, but we need to make a decision. So would you recommend House of Gucci? Not at the cinema, but if it appears on a streaming service months, years from now, check it out for the talent that's involved. Daniel, would you recommend House of Gucci? Similar to you, wait for streaming, but only watch it if there is nothing else that you fancy watching. So yeah. it's, it's the softest of recommends I can yeah. give. Watch Succession instead yeah. of this. goes without saying, but I'm glad we have hammered home. Succession needs yes, to be watched. We definitely want to watch Succession. Bruce Willis. Real name is Tyler Durden. Sank at the end. Oh, thanks a lot. Spoilers. Now, listener, just so you know, we have cut out about 15 minutes of Succession discussion that's taken place between Would You Recommend and this. That's how interested we are in talking about House of Gucci. No, wait, we are interested. We are interested in talking about it, and I hope that you're interested in, in listening. No one's listening at this point. <laughs> We've got that one listener left. Right. Spoilers. I've already said what happens because it's based on true events. Lady Gaga marries into the family. Sincerely, she's genuinely romantically interested in Adam Driver. Power struggles occur with the shares of the company that are split amongst the Gucci family. Lady Gaga eventually is discarded from the this is like lost interest she she's she, she gets out of the family and she's so angry that she hires two hit men to kill adam driver they do kill him and that's it who ends up in control of gucci i'm, I'm not sure in at the end of the film right now gucci is currently owned by a french group caring oh, there the, you go. the fate of the gucci company at the end of this film i'm not sure it ends it ends with courtroom scenes doesn't it yeah, I'm sure I read up and I can't remember. It might have been that company you said and led from a design point of view by Tom Ford. I think it was just them and there's no longer a family-run business at all. Yeah. Now, I thought it was weirdly reminiscent of what happened to Versace, this, when he got shot on the steps at the end. I thought, hang on, you got the wrong guy. This wasn't a Gucci, it was Versace. But it just so happens they were both shot to death on 
a load of steps. So yeah, that was weird. That I didn't. I knew all about Versace. I had no knowledge of this happening whatsoever, and I think it was around about the same time period. So odd that I didn't know that. For a two-hour and thirty-eight-minute film, it boggles my mind how some bits felt so rushed. There is no build-up to her wanting to kill him at all. It comes out of nowhere, and it's the same thing with Adam Driver falling out of love with her. Yes, they have a bit of a, oh, they're not being nicey-nicey with one another anymore, but it's literally two interactions, and then suddenly I'm not interested in you anymore, I'm leaving you. Yes, they have a wobble when they go to Switzerland. There's another woman involved who has about two scenes, and then I want to murder him is the next thing Mm. that happens. You didn't get that sense of that building hatred, and because the most significant event is the killing of Adam Driver's character, you'd think that that would be foreshadowed a bit more. I was already half asleep by that point, to be honest. That's why I'm struggling to... I think I was asleep, and then it was the Tracy Chapman song at the end that woke me back up. So you you paired to fall asleep in a room full of strangers. Yeah. And I, and I get that, because it, it, even though I said I didn't feel it, it is, it is a long film, and I do think this could have been shaved down quite a bit. One thing you said in your summary about her sincerely marrying into this marriage... I don't know whether that was my perception of that because she's almost a bit too keen and obsessive in drawing his attention at the very beginning to the point where I thought, is this just somebody who's very money hungry, a bit of a gold digger, but it's not explicitly pointed out? Because it is quite subtle, I suppose you could say. Depends what you read on it is. Uh, You can look at it either way because it's very ambiguous in that sense, I guess. Yeah, it could go either way. It's ambiguous which is what a lot of things in the film is, doesn't commit. I do really like one of those final scenes, though, when Lady Gaga goes into her dead husband's house and greets his now lover with a hug and then says, get her out of my house, and just hits her on the arm as she walks past her. I thought that was just such a nice character moment for her, even though she's being awful. And I'll be honest, I don't really have a lot more to say. No, me neither. Let's just wrap it up there then, shall we? Uh, no point adding on another pointless 38 minutes of runtime to this episode, which no. is something that the uh, Ridley Scott might want to take note of. And Chloe Zhao with the Eternals. Thank you very much for listening. If you wish to leave us any feedback, you can do so at in the Isles Podcast at gmail.com. It's been a while since we've done a conflict of interest. Maybe you want to suggest a topic, because me and James feel like we've rinsed through too many of them. We don't have any fresh ideas. You might be feeling the formula stale. Who knows? Give us some ideas. Um, if you want to follow us on Instagram, you can at In The Isles Podcast. Leave us a five-star review and rating. James, what is in store for next week? Tick, tick, boom on Netflix, starring Andrew Garfield. It's been out a few weeks, but by all accounts, it's supposed to be very, very good. So I'm looking forward to that. We've watched House of Gucci this week. Do you have any fashion tips for the listening audience? If you're too tall and you wear contrasting lower and upper body clothes, it breaks up your height. The more you know. Brilliant. Thanks for that. Thank you. See you next week. Bye.